crisis. Welcome to Tio's Roadhouse. We got Ernest in the house. You got you got cans. You good? Yeah. Break. You got them going. On? We're perfect. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna come. I'm gonna come. <laughs> I already did. <laughs> hey, oh. well, that that has been such a funny quote for like six months for me. Ever since I saw that video, dude. The Don, you gotta love Don, man. You guys, are, hey, breakfast is ready. You coming in here? I'm gonna come. <laughs> <laughs> I've been so looking forward to sitting down and chatting with you, man. Likewise, dude. Let's this go, is awesome. let's, uh, there, there are no boundaries. No so boundaries. I have no idea what the hell we're going to talk about, but it's going to be good. I know that. Uh, so you were asking me a while ago, had I ever, uh, uh, did I know George Jones? Man, yes, I, I got to tour with Jones early on, man. And I just finished watching uh, 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 George and Tammy. Uh, the storyline's very interesting, but. Uh, the vocals are atrocious. It's just so bad. Yeah, I mean, I, I, see I, I had a hard time getting through it, man. And, and being being out there with Jones and watching the charisma that he had, even at the later stage of live, man. How old man, was that, he when you he'd were do out? This got him out of damn thing. You know where he'd get to jigging on stage and the whole place would freaking erupt, man. He had these little things that he did. That were made. He's deaf as hell. He couldn't remember the words, you know. Uh, and, I've seen some great <sighs> videos of him. Uh, at all different stages. Oh yeah, there, damn. He was definitely. A, I met. It gives me hope that I can live into my eighties. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. Yeah. Hey, I had a song idea. It's, it's, it's called "Keeping Up with Jones." It's like I could probably keep up with the Joneses, but there ain't no keeping up with Jones. It's, yeah. Um, I met George Jones, and uh, and his wife was um, Nancy. Nancy. Yeah. Uh, I met George and Nancy at Best Buy in Cool Springs when I was probably seven or eight years old. No kidding. And. God, if I could go back to me now and be seven and be like, fucking ask him something. Say something. <laughs> hey, Mr. Jones. Like, my mom just was like, you're going to want to go meet him. So thanks, Mom. But, yeah, but you met God, him. It's so sick you got to tour. How old was he when you were touring with him? Golly, so that would have been in the 90s. George died in 2011 or so, and he was 82. He was probably uh, late 60s, something like that. I mean, so I was rocking. I was 23, was so 24 years old. You know, and I, what always impressed me about him, and I've taken this into where I'm at at this stage of my life, you know, at, at there, there's a when – you're, when you're having radio success and all that stuff, it, you know, it's um, – it's quite the roller coaster ride. Being able to see records go up the charts, it's kind of, it, it's you, you kind of get spoiled to it. It's it's a whole different thing than very few people get to experience. And then when it stops, there's a there's a frustration and a decompression, wondering if what's going to happen on the backside. And and my point being, in, in the late '80s, you've got all those guys like Haggard and Jones and Waylon and Willie and all those guys that had been dominating the radio airplay for years and years and years and years. And then at the end of the '80s, man, when in '89 when Gar and, and Travis and, and Vince and, and Chestnut and Allen and all those guys came out. Everything started changing. And then in the early 90s, they switched to this thing called Young Country. All the radio stations started changing formats. So all of us kids exploded out there. There was this whole new wave of Young Country music. Like they and flipped none of, a switch on And what? everybody that had been getting airplay for decades, it was over. And they blamed us. They were mad at us. I mean, they were really angry. They, they, they didn't want to be around us. They didn't want to work with us. I mean, it was it was kind of nasty for a while. Only one that didn't do that was George. George embraced it. I mean, he did I Don't Need No Rocking Chair. He had all of us out on tour with him. What a song, dude. Were you on that? 
I was right. not on the record, but okay, I was okay. on the tour, man. I, yeah, okay, I was right, just right. getting launched out there at that t particular time, but I but I got to spend a lot of time with Jones out there on the road, and it made me realize as as my radio career came to an end and things changed for me that that I really wanted to be a guy that embraced the younger generation and made relationships and reached yeah. across the aisle and had the olive branch. I mean that that's important to me. I, I think it's I, because I because really and truly we all still are passionate about the same things. We're not that different. We just live in a different time period. Exactly, dude. Exactly. Um, God, Dean had a, Dean Dillon when he was accepting the Icon Award at the BMI Awards. I, I saw him give a speech on YouTube, and he had a quote because I think it was like 2013. So I think that same kind of changing in the guard was happening. Yeah. I ain't country shit was on the radio, and um, he just said he was holding the award, and he said, "Man, there's." Everybody is singing to their generation, and these guys are just some cowboys getting out there and singing to their generation. And it's like, yes, we're all just growing up, taking in what we grew up on, Absolutely. and then putting out what we are inspired to put out. And um, I just happen to have been inspired by all different, I guess, eras of music in all genres. Absolutely. I, and, yeah, go ahead. But but we're all but we. I mean, I grew up listening to hair bands, yeah. you know, like Van Halen, and and got into Zeppelin real heavy in college. I mean, I listened to all kinds of different things. Didn't have the voice to do that. Wished I would have, but it wasn't where I was meant to be. Right. Yeah. Country country found me, and I grew up in Nashville. Like I I kind of almost avoided doing country for several years because of how cliche I thought it would be. Because you know, but now it's like I embrace that, and I wish I you know, had embraced it sooner, but, um, it's sick to get to sit here and talk with you. Cause obviously I grew up on your stuff as much as I grew up on Jones and yeah. as much as I grew up on Eminem and all, you know, the same shit. So you, your music has been a part of my DNA. Um, it's cool. We get to kick it because my role in country music, if I had, if I had to label a role I have is to continue period. Whatever country started on, I want to continue that. And like songwriting, I believe was at the at the heart of it. I believe it's always been the heart of country music, and it ebbs and flows, man. It it gets uh, it gets over poetic at times. It gets over cowboy at times. It gets over pop at times, but it always swings back. It's always right. finds it. It always finds its center. You know, you go back to the '80s when guys like Kenny Rogers were coming out, and you had Alabama. Everybody said, "Oh, they're just they're too pop and all this stuff," but it but it swings, man. Then you, yeah. you you know it's 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 fascinating to watch it. Now, I think it runs in ten year cycles. Have you noticed that? Maybe now because I'm just on my third one, and I was probably not conscious about it for the second one. But I, but looking back at it, it is crazy though. You say that because Kenny Rogers in Alabama, if I put on a classic country playlist, they're definitely going to be and on. And that's it. '80s. That's right. That's but 80s. but you got George Strait and Randy Travis in there too, and then Keith Whitley toward exactly. the bottom of the decade. But then you got the shift into the '90s, that whole young country movement, right? And then everything started. It. it songwriting got a little bland at the end of the 90s and then you had guys like Keith Urban and Rascal Flatts and right. stuff that popped in the 2000s and then you had your bro country area in the next yeah. in the next decade so it just it oh no, you're right that pivots, is man yeah wow it's about on an eight to ten year 
pendulum swing, man. It's pretty wild. But is it circular? Is it going back to where it once was? I think it's coming back to more real, true songwriting. Uh, I I think uh, true guys, true poets like yourself and like Hardy uh, and Bobby Pinson. I I put Bobby in that category too. Guys, guys that that and I and I use this this phrase a lot. Like when Jamie Johnson wrote in Color, where you can close your eyes and you can see the scene. Where when you really are so good with the way that you use words and the melody that you can just paint the scene with those words. It's an amazing talent. Yeah, and it's, I think, growing up, listening to it, you know, um, I've just been really lucky to land where I, I was adopted when I was three weeks old. My parents who adopted me, athletes, not song people. I just grew up in a house where they, really? my dad was a baseball coach, mom was a basketball player. Um and so, but I was always chasing music where I heard it and where I wanted to play. I got a banjo. I, I think I had a, there were several ways I got here. My older cousin played mandolin, so I thought that was cool. And then I got a flattened Scruggs CD, like yeah. second grade maybe. And that's how I was wearing it out. So were you a grasser early? Early. Yeah. So third grade, Christmas, I got a banjo for Christmas. My parents, obviously, they don't play anything, but they, they saw that I was, I got a drum set and a banjo and the Space Jam soundtrack. <laughs> and, and so while I'm, a, you know, lightning strikes the course, lights get dim. Supreme competition is about to begin above the rim, finessing. I'm in the third grade doing that shit, but at the same time, it's like, don't get my love for, you know, I'm learning, you know, you know, I'm down Cripple Creek. I mean, I'm learning all this shit and I get banjo lessons. My mom was like, well, Take him to Rob Jackson Music Studio and <laughs> learn some banjo. Um, and I just was always, no matter what, what direction I was headed, even if they cringed through my rapping days, they, they still supported me at their distance and whatever they needed to do. They got me the guitars. They got me all this stuff. And now, um, I know what I was getting to. The way, the, the music that I was able to hear was a byproduct because I became friends with Rafe Tenpenny in the fifth grade. Mitchell's younger brother. Gotcha. We both showed up at Lipscomb. Obviously, their mother, Debbie, is the daughter of Donna Hilly, the queen of Music Row. Yes. I know Donna. Yes. So um, when I got introduced to Rafe as a fifth grader, I was getting to hear all these CDs and demos and shit from hanging out at the Tenpenny house that Mitchell was either finding, like, he, him and Sidney Clausen found Lost in This Moment with You when they were in the eighth grade and they re-recorded a demo and then she got it back to John Rich. Wow. So, like, I was getting to hear all this stuff. I was getting to hear early Rodney demos and I was fifth, sixth grade, seventh grade, and I was just like, yo, th- this is a world, you know? My mom was, I was like, try to get a job at the mailroom. I was like, no, I'm going to try to get a job writing songs. <laughs> I ain't going to worry. I'm not a mailman. Uh, you know, but I, but I had in in the weirdest way. Instead of having musical parents, I landed in the perfect home to be able to be exposed to the things that crafted my DNA as a songwriter. Now, wow. So, uh, have you tracked down your biological parents, or you kind of let that go? I've not made any effort to find them. You know, uh, I I grew up uh, I I grew up with a, a stepfather, and I didn't have any contact with my biological father, and I till I was in my early uh, like nineteen twenty years old, and you know, sometimes it's best just to let things lay. Yeah, I mean, and I I, I love my parents. There was I you know I went through the whole young elementary, middle, summer high school, pissed off like. 
if anything, I was using it as raps. You know, I was yeah. like, I thought I was Eminem, so pissed off at my mom. But the older I get, I'm like very thankful. I'm very grateful. She did that out of love. That's a tough thing. I got my own kid now. I get it. It's like you got to love somebody to let them go sometimes. And because of that, I'm sitting here, <laughs> by God, on, <laughs> on Tracy Lawrence, bud, and we're talking on him. <laughs> so, so tell me, tell me, uh, musical style wise, when you started writing songs, what was some of the early stuff that influenced you? I mean, were you were you digging on country? Or were you writing rap stuff? I mean, were you just all over the place when you? Yeah, all you over wrote? the place. So, like, I think some of the first songs I wrote. I was probably literally to no music, just sitting in the classroom. Writing, writing poetry. Writing poetry. Yeah. Um, and I was writing love songs. I fifth grade, remember specifically writing the whole deal and handing it off, you know. <laughs> it. It look. Yeah. And I was figuring out GDC all along, and I'd get home in the afternoon. And uh, I wouldn't, it, it could have been country. I had no twang. It was like emo kind of john mayer like i was really listening to a lot of john mayer and stuff too but but that would have been you know 2002 2003 so that was country radio and then my dad was listening to country radio on the way into school so i was taking that in it was either that or sports talk radio yeah <laughs> didn't really take that in um and so i was i was, yeah i was writing that but at the same like i remember my first time i ever rapped my own words was i was replacing the words to my milkshake brings all the boys here. i said my pokemon brings all the nerds to the yard and they're like do you want to trade cars and i'm like yeah i'll trade cars but i ain't gonna trade you my charizard and i was like in the third or second grade <laughs> private school at lipska with my baggy cargo khaki shorts on and some felas thought i was something <laughs> Oh, to be young again. Oh God, I think I'm all right being 31. <laughs> you you survived it all. Yeah. So I know I know you just started your own publishing company. Let's let's talk about. I I I know a lot of people. I get asked all the time, man. People have this misconception. They think that when you record somebody's song, that you like if I if you wrote a song and I wanted it, they think that I would come to you and say, I want to buy that song from you, and I pay you money, and then I record your song, and that's the end of it. Right. Publishing is a whole different deal. So so let's talk about that and see if we can kind of clarify things. The way that publishing works in this town is there's 100% of the publishing and 100% of the writer. So when you sign a publishing deal, you're going to give them 100% of your publishing or whatever deal you work out, depending on what kind of leverage that you've got. You keep your writers, and you're required to write so many songs. So if you're required to write 10 or 12 songs a year, if you do co-writes, that's 20 to 24 right. songs a year, X, Y, Z. They'll give you a draw. Say if they give you a draw of 600 or or $1,000 a week, whatever that draw is, and then when you uh, they pay your recording costs for your demos and the pitch team and all that stuff, they recoup that money, but that comes back out of your writer's draw. So that's how when you get cuts, that's how all that stuff works. Can Thank you clarify you anything more? No, I, no this, is, this is great for me. Can you... Can, <laughs> Can you expound? <laughs> I'm glad I can help. <laughs> Let me get the whiteboard out. <laughs> yeah, this is good. And, and, and all the guys at Cadillac, this is good. I know what I'm doing. All right. Let's just, I hope you're right. All the lawyers. I got, a, I got an idea. <laughs> yeah. No, that sounds pretty much good to me. <laughs> where, do, where do I sign? <laughs> Man, I, you know, I. All good information. Oh my God! 
kill him. <laughs> Glad I could help. You know, look, look I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, this is definitely the industry that I have had to completely submerge myself in to learn anything. Like, I, I wouldn't have been a sit in school at Belmont and learn about the industry. I'm very field study. Oh, driven. I understand. So, yeah. so it is, I, I was sitting in a business meeting the other day on the publisher side of publishing, you know, with the same lawyers I have to sit across the, the other side of the table from uh, as the writer side of publishing. And I'm just like, Oh damn, little businessman right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in here. I mean, I got my coffee. They got a. They sit, I got a pad of paper yeah, in front I'm of me. I'm in a glass room at a table <laughs> with chairs. There's lawyers here. I'm like, I'm, this isn't a deposition. <laughs> things, are, things are going good. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> oh my goodness. <sighs> There, uh, the music industry is a is a complicated beast, and it I'm is. very passionate about it. I love all the in in the all the ins and outs of it all. <laughs> I was gonna try to use a big word, but it escaped me. Yeah. Delicacies, <laughs> intricacies, intricacies, yeah, incarcerations. Oh my gosh! But um, <sighs> no. And speaking of the Cadillac thing, it's like I didn't know that I was gonna be a publisher this fast i i always had the goal of having a publishing company and being able to find you know cool kids and bridge that gap the way that the warren brothers did for me when they signed my co-pub with sony atv the first time yeah and having their co-sign got me into all the rooms i didn't deserve to be in at that point and then but then it also allowed me to have the responsibility to get that room back and i want to do that for you know whoever crosses my palette that I'm inspired by. And it's like the fact that I got to start now just means now is the time. So, you know, think about this. Com your generation compared to mine as a songwriter, the vocabulary and the word bank has a lot of new words in it from when I started writing songs. Mm -hmm. It's a completely different playing field than what it used to be. I mean, there's a there's a whole different language out there now with social consciousness and wokeness and all this other stuff. Man, do you, have you thought about that at all? I don't know if I have because I, I mean, yeah, in that I guess we're a little more edgy getting to you. I mean, shoot. no, but I mean terms like cell phones and and yeah, woke right, and, right, and just, right. There's there's a whole new dialect out there that, of words that we didn't use or didn't have to explain a situation before. Yeah, it, it is wild. But I think in the writer's rooms, sometimes I'm conscious of if we put something in, in a song like that, it dates it automatically. Like, I wouldn't put Xbox in a country song. It's like, if you know, I, people do, but I think, I think that dates it. Well, because think about, you know, like uh, there's a song I had called Is That a Tear that talks about leaving a message on an answer machine. Songs about jukeboxes, putting quarters in a jukebox. None of that stuff is relevant nowadays. Yeah, yeah but I would rather, I'll put jukebox in a song today before I put boombox. Really? For sure. Really? I, I think, I, bless you. Did Was that a sneeze? <laughs> I, I thought I heard something. Uh, no, that came out to the other end. Yeah, I, I didn't know what it, bless her either way. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, but, uh. Yeah, to me, and maybe maybe that's just maybe that's just me, and and you know the kind of songs I like to write. So, um, but yeah, like I would rather put jukebox a song and use and use those words. I think those I think the words you all were using 
fucking when I think about a country song, those are the those are the songs and and what I think of. Then I'm, you're an old soul. Then I'm. Oh, you, I know I'm you, an old soul because when you when you talk about being passionate yeah. about it from from when you came, I was the same way. And and you, when you come out of the womb with that kind of passion, you, you're it's just what you're meant to do. It really is, man. Yeah. So I, I I get that. So from you. that so that's for me personally, but also like songs I've written for other artists and stuff too, like. It is fun to think outside of the box of social norms when it or or not social norms, industry norms, <laughs> radio no social norms. Get out of here. hey, get out of here. But uh, um, yeah, it's fun because then I get to use the part of my brain that wrote raps and and writes raps and freestyles. That's like somebody somebody asked me what my writing technique is or whatever it's like really it's just freestyle even if if it's not freestyle rapping it's pick up a guitar and just make up a song and there's probably a form there we can use and that comes from my rap the rap background so when you write do you write top down or you write courses first what do you do it depends it um yeah if i pick up a guitar and we had nothing if i picked up a guitar i would start playing a progression sing a verse Get See in, what comes get, from it. Yeah, yeah, literally. Uh, unless some, unless you said something, I'm like, oh, that's title. Then I'd try to land the hook. Yeah. And in that case, I might just then I write backwards. I'll I'll land the hook, the last two lines of the chorus, and be like, all right, we got to fucking get there, and then start at the chorus, and then we'll figure verses out. I could live with a verse chorus for six months, and then the second verse will come eventually. That's how I like to write. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I write all different kinds of ways. I typically write a chorus first. That's that's pretty much where I start. I got to start writing again, man. I hadn't written a song in over a year. Well, let's write a song. It's, been, sometime. it's about time. It's about let's time. Write a song sometime. We we need to definitely do that. It's time to get my head wrapped back around it. Well, I took a year off, man. I had a gap year. Good for you. Yeah, yeah I took a little break because I just had my thirtieth anniversary in the music business, and I was tired. Oh yeah, you owe that to yourself. <laughs> I need. You go to Cabo or something? Uh, we went to Italy. It was nice. Yeah. Where's that? <laughs> Is that in Mexico? You can't. You can't get there from here. <laughs> it's just below Switzerland. It's just to the right of Spain, and it's just to the left of Croatia. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Awesome. Oh gosh. I'm gonna go there. What's, have you been overseas at all yet? No, I'm about I'm about to go to Australia or Auckland, New Zealand, and Australia. That's a long flight, son. Well, I've That's got long three one. volumes. So. <laughs> well, how you gonna get back? <laughs> I'm gonna find three volumes there. <laughs> it's a long freaking yeah. way. Let me tell you, don't fly coach. I don't care if it costs you five thousand dollars. Get business class. They yeah, got these I, little cubicles, man. You can set. I think your I'm stuff doing up. premium, which is yeah. like the step below a. A cube, but the Don't step above. Mm -mm, get that cube. I'm telling you, it's hey, worth the money. It's will you get it for me? <laughs> I'll pay you back. <laughs> oh, will you write a song with me? <laughs> I'll take 33% okay, of a two-way if you can get me the cube. <laughs> Golly. Oh, God. That's how publishing works. <laughs> That's good to know. See what we've learned here today, boys. We've, we've learned where Italy is. And <laughs> yeah. This, yeah. This business of music, music business yeah. with Tracy and Ern. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is a new podcast we can start. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I set the uh, fire alarm off at Big Loud the other day. Did you really? Yeah. Uh, you know that used right to be, under it. I didn't even think about it. You know that used to be the Lee Greenwood building, don't you? Yeah, and it's haunted. 
Is it haunted? Yeah, at least it used to be. I'd never been in that building all the years that I've been in town. It was Curb Records at one or, it, uh, or uh, I, was it Curb? No, or, it wasn't Curb. It's where Garth signed his first record deal yeah. in, in my old office down there. Yeah, but that was the Lee Greenwood building, and Atlantic was in the in the the red brick uh, used to be the bank building right there, just past Emerald. But that I'd never been in that building before. I, I sang on a Hardy's record, Hardy's oh, yeah, Hicks tapes. Yeah. That's the first time I'd ever been in that building. It's a, I mean, the energy in there is awesome. But, I don't know. So, if, so tell me about the ghost. So the ghost is, I guess that property was like one of the old Music Row mansions back in like the late 1800s. Yeah. Some German dude owned it, um, and he had two daughters that lived there, and he they he threw them like their their ball or whatever where everybody's supposed to come over, like 18 year birthday or something like that, and. Invited everybody. Nobody showed up. They were ugly. I think so. <laughs> I think so. Good thing. Hey, I've never seen. So a this ghost. Is I've a never seen story. a bad looking ghost. So, <laughs> so but um, but um, so they, they didn't show up. He was like, you know, fuck this city. Let this let this building rot. Um, and he he had, and just abandoned it basically and owned the property and it, and it decrepit. They mowed it down. The girls died, and they died there, or whatever. They grew old. In the, in, on that property? On that property. Really? I did not know. So, so then, whatever building was built there, and I think it was Curb that was there at one point, but either way, the employees were getting riddled with activity, like like the type of shit in movies, like chairs would be rearranged, and like doors would lock behind them, or a candle would be on. And it was like... I think the final straw for a dude that was own, that owned it, Craig could tell you. Craig like has has it down. There's a newspaper article framed in Big Loud about it. But um, the the final straw, I believe, was second floor window was like main dude's office, and he walks out and gets in the parking lot. His last one out of the building, which nobody wanted to be the last ones out of the building. That was like the whole bit. Like I don't want to be the last one in here. So the guy leaves. <clears throat> He had closed his blinds, shut the lights off, goes down to his car, looks up, blinds open, lights turn on, computer screen turns on, and he was like, get out of here. <laughs> Craig had an exercise. When he bought the building, he had a priest come and exercise the place. <laughs> do you believe in ghosts? I do. Yeah? You yeah. ever seen any? I've not seen a ghost. This is a true story. The, ne- the, the, the next three are all things, unexplainable things, right? I don't know if it was a ghost. Maybe the electricity was fucked up. Um, <laughs> but did you know D, D. Henley, Conway Twitty's widow? Never met her. I know she, okay, I know so, she is, but I never met her. So she was the godmother of a kid that I went to school with named Nick. And so I would hang out with Nick after school, and we'd go to his house. It was in Northumberland. And obviously it was Conway's house. So I was like probably a freshman in high school. Now if I went there, if I knew I was walking into, you know, Conway's house as a 31-year-old, I would have soaked up every inch of it. But then I was just like hanging out with Nick. We're running around. And we're up in the top room. There's like six Conway guitars, acoustic guitars. And I had my laptop, and we were going to um, – record a song on, like, GarageBand or something. And I was like, can I play one of these guitars? He's like, yeah, sure. 
And dog, when I tell so it was like track lighting like that up up there. And when I tell you, I picked up a guitar and started playing it, and the one light above Conway's guitar went off, and the rest of the lights in the track was on. <laughs> I went and set that shit back down. It turned back on, and Nick goes, "Oh, that's Conway." <sighs> and I'm like, "What the fuck do you mean that's Conway?" <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, he's always doing shit." And so he went down, he went down to D. I'm like, this is my first encounter in life with something like that. And and I'm like rattled. I'm afraid to touch the guitar again. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And uh we go down and he explains that to D. He's like, the lights are fucking up above the guitars. And D just without missing a beat, she goes, That's Kanye. that's uh I was about it's Kanye. It's Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> that's Conway. She's like, I had an electrician come out because it was all it was happening in all the rooms, and the electrician said there's no problems. So, so that was my first experience with what I believe was the ghost of Conway Twitty, which is awesome. Um, That's a pretty cool ghost story. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. So, how, how what is it like? What is it like on Music Row these days? I mean, I, I kind of want to get a feeling of what downtown's like being in the music industry. Bef- when when I first came to, t- to Nashville, Music Row was like this little town right in the middle of a big city. Yeah. So, you know, we ran up and down the alleys. You know, you had Sony Tree and ASCAP and BMI, and you had all the labels on Music Row. All the old houses were, were publishing companies, and you get, went to writing appointments all over the row. The studios, everything, there was so much contained in like those three or four streets right there. Now that it's changed so much, I mean, even Demumbering is not the same as it used to be. How I mean, what what's the vibe like down there being in the music business? I mean, does it have a vibe to it, or is it just another part of the Dude, city? The vibe, the vibe is definitely there, um, and, and the vibe you're talking about is there. Without you know, they're still they're putting up high rises and all that, but Big Loud is popping every day. That whole building, the Cadillac side and Craig's office, we we're conjoined, and it's just an open door. And there's kids in there writing every day at all hours of the day and, you know, taking lunch trips to losers, coming up with song titles at the bar. Oh, there's two more writers. Let's go write. Like, that's happening right now, and, and it's sick, and there's not, like... Is it happening all over town, or is that like is this like a special c- scenario that's going on? Because it doesn't seem like that's happening everywhere. There's probably a couple of, like, there's two or three other places that's happening at, but, but really... Our corner right there is like the hub where yeah. even other it's not, like you ain't got to be you ain't got to be a big loud rider. There's all kinds of every other rider in town's coming over there to kick it and to kick it just we, to hang out, just, just yeah, to vibe the, place, the energy of the of the yeah, whole thing going on. I show up there with no no schedule and I just put my head in some rooms and y'all need somebody or you know like that's kind of the vibe that's set. All there there are scheduled rights, but I feel like. There's usually just a three-way, anybody could pop in type of type of deal. Now, don't just start showing up, okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, why not, man? I've got a couple yeah, of days yeah, in the not, week. No, not you, it. not you. I just, y'all. <laughs> you know, and I, I'm, 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 I asked that because I really, I'm, I was hoping that there would be more of that going on because I miss those days. And as you get older, man, as you know, as you raise the kids, man, my kids are off college now, and you kind of settle into a different place of life. I'm, I'm not going down there and function. I mean, I used to spend. Uh, I mean, I go to the music row every day. Yeah. I had an office down there, you know. I had the labels and different treat things. It like, I treat it like a nine to five. Yeah, I just go into the office every day, go and have a cup of coffee, see what's going on. Even if you don't have an appointment, sure. you're taking lunch meetings and doing other things. And I don't do that as much as I used to, but there 
used to be a great energy, even even on charts. You know, when back in the day before everything was instant from from digital digital media and stuff, when the charts would come out, we would all gather up at, at local bars and different things and wait for the numbers to come in because oh, you get man. the numbers from the week before. So you didn't know where your chart position was until the following week. So we'd gather up like the Hall of Fame lounge and stuff so just cool. off off Donaldson, and uh, you'd go in there and have drinks and stuff. There'd usually be some crappy band on Monday night playing, and we'd come in, come in there and hang out and drink and wait for the numbers to come in and see what your chart positions were. It was it was a very cool. Time. I wish I wish that was happening right now because yeah. with the, I guess, I don't keep up maybe with with charts as much. Um, as others, but at the same time, I do know how on my mind it is and how cool it would be to just know I can't look at it. We're going to find out here. This is, We're going to go to the bar and find go out the bar together. to find out. All the uh, hang out, and then we'll have a toast. Uh, like, hey, yeah, well, yeah, we might I, as well I, keep drinking. I jumped Sammy Jerk <laughs> Kershaw again. Yay. <laughs> Tough day, Sammy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What was your first number one? Sticks and Stones, my first single. Yep. How quick did it change your life? Instantly. It was drastic, dude. I mean, from the time I got to town. You got to realize, when I got to town, uh, I got in town in September of 90, and in May of 91, I cut sticks and stones. So it was seven months from the time I got to town, and I didn't know anybody when I got here. Yeah. And then sticks and stones was dropped in like August, in like that fall, and it went number one in January. So I mean, right, I just, I mean, I didn't have nothing. I, I Wait, it was like a, that fast of a number one? Yes. Jeez. I mean, back then, records debuts. 12 to 14 weeks, number one, man. We were getting an album a year. Yeah, and the ni- dude, the 90s songwriting money was a total difference. Because we were getting four singles a year. And I was getting at least two to three videos per album. We were coming right behind it with another record. I mean, it was back to back to back to back to back to back. We were slamming it back then. So in a 10-year period, we built a massive body of work. It takes so much longer now to do that than what it used to. But even as a songwriter, when you were back in the 90s, when, when we were living off album sales, if you got six or seven uh, album cuts a year, you were making two or three hundred grand a year as yeah, a songwriter. Right. Yeah, and album that, cuts were getting paid like today's singles. And every now and then you get a single, you get a top five or a number one hanging there. That's a big lick. You know, you're living off the album cuts. It was a different time period, man. It was, and, and everybody was making money back then. It was a good time. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that I wonder if it's going back. I wonder if it's going to get back in that direction because I know that like streaming sites are user based. So the more users, the bigger the machine, which I kind of get. So I, I mean, in 10 years or five years, and, and I know the percentages just got in our favor, changed a little yeah, bit. Yeah, they, they've, they've um, upped the royalty rates off of that a lot. And, right. and but, but they need to because nobody's buying physical product anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, it, I, I'm very thankful to have had some radio singles because I know... Was, was Flower Shop your first hit? It was, yeah, but it wasn't even number one on radio. Yeah. It was a uh, top 20. But yeah, yeah, Flower Shop, regardless, you know, the radio, the radio play for me is like, hell yeah, if a song goes on radio, I'm stoked. But I'm really just going to be writing the songs that yeah. I like to write. And if my fans and the people, if if... if if they say cool and want to sing it at my show or buy a ticket to come to the show, then that's sick. Radio is is an awesome vehicle to get people to buy tickets too. Yeah, which which you got to have uh, to a degree. So what what's your touring situation like? You I mean, are, are you playing clubs when you go out? How much? How much? Yeah, my head my headline my headline stuff will be 
like 2,000 cap rooms yeah. this next fall. Um, but I'm getting to go do direct with Morgan all year. Um, or two of four in stadiums and direct in arenas and amphitheaters. So super, super blessed to be able to, you know, win some fans over in front of that kind of a market size. It's absolutely, it's, it's, it's insane. And, you know, I, I thanked Morgan the other night. I was like, yo, thank you for, you know, taking me on. And he just goes, it's what friends do, but I'm like, God, yeah. But that, but still, I mean, it's a, it's a business, you know, <laughs> you know but, but he shows he, it, him putting faith in me for that role lights the fire I need under my ass to earn that role every night and and deserve it every night and go out there and get to play and that taking that energy into when I go all right here's a you know win a handful of people over every night I'm going to be playing in the fall see y'all there and then it's my show and that's like oh, I eat that shit up I love it because it's like these aren't just Morgan Wallen fans or they aren't just Hardy fans or whatever they're earned fans now. You're a follower. That's it. Okay. <laughs> you're, you're earned fans now. And thank you for rocking with me because we're going to grow it. And it's going to, you know, each year we're going to grow it a little more. I love it. it. That's really cool, man. It just, it, it just, it feels like y'all have such great energy over there at Big Loud. The energy is good. Yeah. yeah. It, it really is. It's, it's like there's, there's something special happening over there. I, I hope I get a chance to get to know Morgan a little bit better. I've, I've met him, uh, one of the last, things festival things we did but i hadn't had a chance to spend any time with him dig hardy a lot man hardy yeah. hardy and i've spent a little time together he's a very cool dude he's pushing the envelope extremely hard yes and i love it i love it too i don't I, but he's but, not he's not um he's not sacrificing like any songwriting to push the, you know what i'm saying like, no and, and songwriting so good even in the rock stuff it's so absolutely good. uh i don't think radio is going to embrace some of it but in this day and age you don't have to have everything go to radio I'm, i mean i love and he and i talked about that just about uh, being able to bring some of those hardcore rock influences in and 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 kind of push those boundaries i think it's very cool man nobody's pushed it that hard before yeah it's awesome i i, I was telling him too like a lot of people that are pushing the envelope think 808s is the only way where it's like no nah, dog how about double pedals and then like you know uh, some hard ass rock and screamo like that's another one oh, it's, I, it's like it's it's I grew like up on that too and our generation did if they're in a crew guy moving anything or tuning your guitar backstage they didn't listen to heavy ass oh metal. they're listening to metallica yeah. and, and sometimes black metal black metal's pushing it a little bit hard but i've i've gone down the rabbit hole and, and dug into some yeah, of that stuff with too. the devil now oh yeah man we've I've listened to a little bit of everything man yeah yeah so but I, but i'm i'm look country music like you were talking about as Epsom flows. Epsom. I've never been able to say that. I'm gonna say Epstein flows. So, uh, <laughs> Epstein yeah, if I if I try, I'll fuck it up so bad. So um, the way even flows. Yeah, even flows. <laughs> there you go. The, um, people gotta push the envelope, and and my version of pushing the envelope is almost pulling the envelope back. <laughs> it's like to, yeah, it's different for everybody. It's different for everybody, and I've got rap. I've got a phone full of. Different rap EPs, I could drop it any minute, but I'm I don't, I'm never gonna do that because I I want to I want my role and my legacy to to be that. It's like I pushed it country, yeah, which is which is fine because I write pop country or you know, or, or I write the stuff with 808s. I freestyle over that. I can eat those. I love that stuff. But when Ernest is the name next to it, I want it to be country music. 
it's got to have a brand, man. Yeah, and people got to kind of get an expectation of what you're about, and you build that over a period of time. It yeah. takes a while to build that. That's Definitely. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, man. I'm digging it, man. That's good. Thanks. <laughs> I'm digging Michigan. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Me too. What's Shout in Michigan? Out Michigan. Uh, the best. Michigan. The best. Michigan. Cowpoke. Cowpoke. I just got this in uh, Austin. <laughs> Tell me about that pen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was saying it without saying it. Okay. I'm just bleep. No boundaries yeah. here. Yeah. Fine. But Cowpoke, uh, yeah, just was at Rodney just got inducted to the Texas Songwriter Hall of Fame. And I went down there and got to sing him a song. Nice, man. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Shout out, Rodney. <laughs> <laughs> you want a shot? I think that would be an excellent idea. Did you did you borrow your coat from Macklemore? Did you borrow that from Macklemore? Oh, oh, that one. No, but it does look like it does look like I might have. No, I got that at Double RL. That's cowhide. Raw hide. Raw hide, baby. Nice chest hair feature. It's lovely. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. It's a good day, boys. Yeah. Ice cold. <sighs> How was your son? He's gonna be two in April. Yeah, he's uh life changing, isn't it? Kids, man. Mine are both in college now, man. That's it's, crazy. It's uh, it's been a drastic thing, man. It fly like everybody says it flies. I know that a year and a half and eighteen months has flown. Yeah, it does. You know, I I still I I still have vivid memories of them when they were little bitty and little things we did, and you just it's it just it it's just hard to believe that they're grown young women. It's yeah. like gone. Yeah, we're like, I don't know if we'll have a second one. Maybe we do. We're definitely not right this second because tour and stuff. Yeah. Um, but thinking about Cap just being in the moment with them because it's like, dang, you mean I ain't going to have a toddler again? But then it, then it's like 3 in the but morning. And it's like, the, ah, yelling out of the crib. It's but like, yeah, every stage <laughs> has its own charm and specialness to it it's it's really yeah, yeah. amazing being able to grow, go through the journey with them and watch them grow and yeah. watch them evolve man it's an amazing process it's been awesome it is gives you a lot of stuff to write about just yes. don't write songs like mr mom no i, would, I won't <laughs> I, I could never I don't, who wrote that song do you know who wrote that song know. yeah is that the one with the spaghetti in my baby's hair? Yes, yes. That's yeah. Lone Star stuff. Yeah. Lone Star stuff. What are y'all doing tonight? Uh, some Lone Star I'm stuff. I'm doing a little Lone Star music. <laughs> you know, John Rich used to be with Lone Star. That's right. Guy. Yeah. That's right. Yep. Yeah. And I've talked about it many times. I remember John, his his grandmother used to make all his clothes. She'd take uh, denim and leather and she would put all his jeans together and stuff. And he was, John was, John was always out there. Dude, John's mom's awesome for just styling him like that. Oh, she's had him rocking, boy. That's I love John, man. John's a smart guy. Yes, he is. I think a lot of him. Yeah, I like John. Oh, yeah. Um, have, you been, uh, have you been following the Murdoch trial? Oh, yeah. Oh, dude. I've, so I just, just on Netflix and then. Uh, I watched the Netflix thing, man. I, here's my problem. 
And, and they're probably going to be coming up with a verdict. So when y'all see this, it'll all be done. But I'm telling you, I have a hard time imagining that that man, he's a liar. He's a thief. He's a crook. He's done all these awful things. But that's a big step to go from that to killing your wife and your son at point blank range. I, I do not and believe th- he murdered. I don't think he did. I believe I, he knows who did. I saw a good theory, and you might know it. Um, he had just, you know, come across the, the wrong people getting his drugs and owed a shit ton of money and couldn't come up with the money. And so in classic mob, you know. It looks we, like a hit to me. That's a hit. Two different guns. The whole thing, man. It's just, it's, it's a lot. I just, I, I can't, I can't make that leap of him killing them. I yes, just can't. and he's not going to rat them out because, well, it's because they might kill his other son. That's exactly right. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's what I think. I don't think he, I think he'll probably do a little time, but I don't think, I think, yeah, he's going to go to jail for a long time for the, for the financial stuff that yeah, he did. Yes, yeah. the verdict will not be murder one, though. I don't, I don't think they can convict him. And and how did he get rid of the guns? How did he get rid of the clothes? I mean, because it doesn't show him leaving again. I mean, there's so much that doesn't add a, up. He, a, if he had gone and taken a shower, there would have been uh, a, all kinds of particles yeah, right, and things right. in the drains. There's so much that they haven't found. Yeah. There was a drone footage of some people loading up guns from the house and driving off with yeah, them. Yeah, his brother. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. So... Who knows? I mean, look. Where that was two or three months after the fact, too. That's true. Where there's smoke, there's fire. And it seems like, in watching that documentary, dude, there was so much smoke for so long around them. Like, the kid, the kid, Paul, I know 50 Pauls. Like, Paul, Paul. Oh, we all know that. <laughs> we, all we all know, know that kid. We yeah. all know that kid. We grew we, up with that kid. I got to write with him at three. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but um, yeah. <clears throat> But uh, no, Justin Wilson's great. But <laughs> but uh, but yeah, watching watching that's like, man, I know this family. I've met these people before, and it's crazy that that's the shit going on. Our boy Alex just got a crazy opioid addiction, and all the you know he's wild, his son's a wild and out piece of shit and kills a friend yes, and then yes. and then it just keeps crumbling it keeps snowballing Jesus. and supposedly the older son had a gay relationship with that other kid that got found in the middle of the street right, right. all that stuff it's just crazy stuff yeah. man yeah with great netflix material yeah netflix is like oh come on <laughs> yeah how socially conscious are you? How 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 do you do you read? Do you watch what's going on? I mean, how how engaged are you? Do you kind of detach from the news? Or are you engaged in what's going on? I think I neither intentionally or non-intentionally don't get all the news. I think the algorithms has what I see figured out, which is not very news driven. But like my I, I don't know if 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 an election. I'm, I'm curious. I, I I I try to ask a lot of social questions with a lot of younger artists, and it, and it seems like either either people don't want to engage issues for fear of backlash, or you just like it's like I'm not even I, I can't even deal with all of it. I'm le- I'm I lean towards the can't deal with all of it, and me and Delaney argue about that because she she does keep up with it, and her dad keeps up with it, and she's like one of the most empathetic souls and good human she's one of the best humans well, she, she married likes, you yeah she loves she loves oh, me yeah, which says the rest it's like she, what else is there uh, she she you know 
She likes the broken. <laughs> she falls for the broken. And um, but but in doing so, like you know, I get my new, I get real big news issues when she tells me something's going on. But I don't ever watch TV. News is never on the TV. Twitter, I don't really even get on. Um, and Instagram is like memes. And if something crazy's going, like I knew when Ukraine was happening, I know about the train derailment and stuff. But it's not like I'm going and reading New York Times articles about it. Yeah. I, and you know maybe that's what's wrong with our generations that we it's a luxury to not care but but if it I, were Nashville I'd be having to read a lot more about it but do you think a lot of your generation is detached from mainstream news I think so and you're watching more streaming platforms and things and you're really not engaged in social issues and things that are going on I mean I'm I'm just curious I, I mean I, I wouldn't say our generation but but maybe just like me personally I have not, I mean, I, I, not been tapped in to the news every day. Like, I can't say that I was engaged until after I started a family and I got older and a little bit older in life. I mean, really yeah. and truly, I mean, because none of it's relevant to you when you're, you know, just running out here and right. chasing a career and doing all these other things. Right. Man, there's more important things on your on your on plate every day. Yeah, so that's kind of where I have been, anyways. But um, I don't know. And you're right about the. It, it sucks that people like really can't be having an opinion one way or the other and still go out and sing songs. I think it's changing. I I, I think people have just about had enough. I think we're about to see the switch flip. I think we're going to get back to some normalcy. I feel it coming. Good. I I think it's time. Yeah. Either, either side should be able to speak freely without any backlash because it's, it's, a, it's your personal freely. opinion. It's it doesn't mean that you opinion. have hate in your heart. It. it just means yeah. that you have an opinion or a moral compass that's different from somebody else's. Yes. It doesn't make yours any more right or wrong than somebody else's. It just means you have a different perspective or a different view. And that doesn't mean that I hate you for your view, and, right. but I don't want you hating me for my view either. Right. Yeah. yeah, we should all just be able to have a beer. We should all, can't we all just get a long neck? Ain't that George? Drink a beer. <laughs> I let pro, pro, them Luke Bryan songs are so prolific. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm pro, pro what? Prolific. I love pro, Luke. Prolific. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I get as much news as the least amount of news, po- not possible, but big current events come across my plate. But I'm not like, I didn't read what is it the the dossier like I'm not like the steel dossier yeah whatever the steel <laughs> the steel dossier would you like steel or sparkling dossiers <coughs> um, yeah I don't know I'm not doing too much digging I'm right now I'm in the middle of having a see I'm old I don't go out at night so I'm going down every rabbit hole I can find that's my problem yeah I I try to stay out of <laughs> rabbit holes for now be very very quiet oh, <laughs> a rabbit hole over there. There's a wabbit hole. I think I saw a wabbit hole. <laughs> Help me, boys. <laughs> you got something? You can come up with something. I got you come something. up with something. Man, oh, I love Lord. that. Uh, uh, more Than My Hometown. Yeah. I love that song. Uh, love You More Than Feeling When the Bass Hits a Hook. Now, that's that's love right there. What, what was the inspiration behind that song? Michael Hardy. <laughs> no, dude, I'm telling you right now, that song, I, I made a joke last year at the, at the <clears throat> Triple Play Awards. <clears throat> Last year, though, I got up there and I said, I'd like to thank my co-writers, and it sucks Michael Hardy can't be here tonight. He's actually in the hospital, had a slip disc from uh, carrying my ass on his back <laughs> through, <laughs> through more than my hometown. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, 
we that was a late night right at Big Loud. That wasn't your that wasn't your eleven to three. That was we were hanging. Me and Charlie Handsome were hanging, and we were like, let's start at seven. We were drinking or something at Joey's, and boom. That song got written in about an hour and ten minutes. I was halfway there for it. I remember when I remember when Hardy said. Uh, he said, uh, ain't it a map dot shame? And to think that I had like a hand towel in my hand and I threw it as hard as I could. The walls, like, ain't nobody on music row writing about map dot shames. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was my inspiration was, but, um, that, that's a funny, that's a funny instance because that's one of those scenarios in a songwriting room where it's like, some days you got it. Some days you don't, some days you're there, some days you're not. And, the, the beauty of a co-write and that atmosphere being created at Big Loud was it wasn't a, we got to sit here and write a song. Got to grind it out. Yeah, yeah, no, we were just hanging out, you know? We were hanging out. So um, having, having more than my hometown, though, that's one of those I personally, like, um, I'm, I'm conscious of how much ownership I take over songs based on how much I contributed. You know, and maybe that's a maybe it shouldn't matter if I'm if I was there, I was there. But well, like, if you're in LA, it would matter. They count words out there. Well, <laughs> that that sucks. Yeah, but, but not that's not the way we do it. I that. put I put more than my hometown in in like my set sometimes when I'm not opening for Morgan. I'll, I'll play that because God, my set needed it, especially last year before I hadn't had many things. I was like, uh, I'm just background music, and it's like, oh, I know this one. <laughs> and it's like. So, it, but if I'm if I'm gonna like post a million times about a song, it probably wouldn't be one I didn't do that much on. That's me. Hell yeah, yeah. You golf? I do golf. Uh, I had uh, neck and shoulder injuries last year. I didn't swing at all, but I'm I'm ready to start playing again. I had I had neck surgery in December. I had to have some vertebrae fused together. So that's why you took a year off. Yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't swing a golf club. Man, oh, I, man. I, every, it was like somebody stabbing me in the shoulders with ice picks. Man, I I couldn't I couldn't. Have do you anything. tried? I hadn't swung yet. I just, I, I'm just now, I'm just getting back in the gym, starting to work out again. So it's, it's been a little bit of a recovery. Wow, yeah. I didn't know that. It sucks to get old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. never do it. Don't, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't, don't do it at all costs. Yeah, come on, Scott, what you uh, got? I'm just wondering, like, for do you use music to, you know, have a playlist for you know, you know, exercise or for to calming down or to get ramped up? He exercises every day. I do exercise every day. God damn it. Uh, and, hey, <laughs> it what, you can't tell? <laughs> Look at that man. Hey, uh, I don't, I, I let the, I, I let the gym play what the gym's playing, but I do have a playlist that I listen to anytime in the car and I always be adding songs to it. Um, Rafe Timpany has a playlist and if you listen to this, it's called Good Ass Playlist and it's, and it, you'll see Rafe Timpany made it and it's got the widest variety of stuff on it. Um, but I got this playlist right here that I was listening to on the way out here. It's called Feel Good Music. And um, let's see here. I'll tell you just – here we go. It's called Feel Good. Fast Cars and Freedom, Watching Airplanes, No Shoes, No Shirt, Free and Easy, Summertime, One More Day, Diamond Rio, Carolina, Cowboys Like Us, How About Them Cowgirls, Till Summer Comes Around, one of my favorite Keith Urban songs. Um then we get into Sunday in the South, Ghost in This House, Two Dozen Roses, Moon Over Georgia. Uh, you sure Shenandoah got this band. old redneck feeling blue. Got that one on there. Uh, West Texas Town, Back in the Swing of Things. Don't You Want to Stay Where the Green Grass Grows. 
I'm coming over. See, uh, <laughs> Chrissy. Yeah, you yeah, see why? Uh, must be doing something right. A little more country than that. Let's see. She's everything. Great Brad Paisley song. Uh, big green tractor. Paint me a burning, burn, burning ham. Paint me a burning ham is right there. Uh, somewhere with you, Broken Hartsville. Have you? And then, so then, here's here's the switch. I got so high that I saw Jesus, Noah Cyrus. Have you heard that song before? No. That song, listen, it's so good. Um, I got so high that I saw Jesus by Noah Cyrus. I got addicted to that song like two two years ago. It was just on my daily listen. And because of that song, I was in the same realm world musically and ended up writing Comfortable When I'm Crazy, which is like the contents are not the same at all. Just a kind of a vibe thing. Just that, the vibe. Yeah. And, I, and it's like I didn't, I didn't know what to expect out of a Noah Cyrus song at that time, but when that was what I heard, I was like, oh, damn, this is like a great, great song, like a really great song. Let's see. Uh you care if I keep going? Oh, no, no, man. Come on. So this is like, these are the things that I'd just be listening to. Um, Better Together, Jack Johnson, Still Feel Like Your Man, John Mayer, Bodies of Wonderland, Big Yellow Taxi, Counting Crows, uh, Loretta, this uh, Taylor Ashton and Yell Fade O'Donovan. I don't know, but it's, it's fire. Find Yourself, Lucas Nelson. Yes. 3 a.m., Matchbox 20. Oh, yeah. Seven Days, Craig David. Met that girl on Monday, took a full drink on Tuesday. We were making love by Wednesday. How deep is your love? But the PJ Morton cover, um, that's the way love goes. That's one of my. That's probably my favorite Haggard song. Um, let's see what we got here. Picture this. Picture you're hungover as hell. Okay. All right. First thing in the morning. I have a hard time thinking about what that would feel like. <laughs> I can hardly imagine. You wake up hungover as hell. You got a bunch of shit to do that day. You put on one song. To get you rocking, get you to snap out of it. Mine's ACDC, stiff upper lip. What you got? <laughs> or or the Chicago Bulls entrance theme. That makes me feel like I can pick up. No, I would make me no. I would. I need something a little more. A li- if I'm hung over as shit, and we gotta bring it in, I got a coffee and a little smoke. Who says I can't get stoned? Who's John Mayer? Who says I can't get stoned? Down, eyes on that, down. Yeah, there you go. That would probably be my let's get let's get this over with song. <laughs> and one of my friends' dads always used to say first thing in the morning to him, uh, let's get this day over with. <laughs> let's hurry up and get That's this. That's a day rough over. way to start a day. <laughs> well, son, let's hurry up and get this day over with. <laughs> it's gonna be a good day, man. So what's your summer schedule looking like? We start touring March 12th, and then we're going every weekend doing dang old baseball stadiums. And It'll be a fun summer, man. I'm so pumped. I got a little KLX 110 Kawasaki. What, what kind of band are you carrying? You, I got Chandler Walters on the pedal steel. He's 20 years old and badass. Uh, Grady Block on the drums. Billy Block, son. Do you know Billy Block? I know who Billy Block is, but okay, I don't know. Okay, so... Um, so Grady Block and then Jordan Merrigan on guitars. And it, it all started with just me on acoustic, Grady on drums, running tracks. And we were just, you know, making 500 bucks a show. Here's 200 bucks, whatever. Fan of using venues guys or, like, whoever I'm opening for would run monitors. So now we finally got a little crew put together. 
Um, we've been we started rocking that way. We went from Grady to Jordan was TMing for me, but I knew he played guitar. And finally, one night I think we were playing at Floribama or something, and I was like, "You want to just like plug in?" And I love the Floribama. Yeah, dude, we we're playing at Floribama, and I was like, "Yo, you're in the band, like you're not, but you still got to tour manage, but you're in the band." And so. He, he was our TM and then guitar player and TM, and now i got a tour manager, tour manager. Jordan's playing guitar. Chandler on steel. Found him on TikTok. No kidding. Wow. Dude, we were, we, we were cutting the first half of Flower Shop's record. We had, Flower Shop's was already out, I guess. Or No, Flower Shop's wasn't out. It was just out on social media. But we had recorded all this shit, and Paul Franklin's dripping all over it. And Joey Moy was like, you need... You gotta find. You gotta have a steel guitar player. You're having this much steel guitar in your songs. I was like, yeah, definitely, but I don't know any, and they're all either on the road or old. Like, I just don't have any access to steel guitar players. Like, well, keep that in mind. You got a little time. That night, talking about algorithms. That freaking night, dude. On the for you scrolling through TikTok, Chandler Walters at the time he was 19. I see this kid, baby face kid. He looked like 16 and was playing um baby locking doors and he was playing that intro lick and i was like dang so i clicked on his hand like watched he had been playing a few more and i commented on it i was like where are you at he said wherever you need me (laughs) and i was like nashville he's like i'm already here so he dropped he he got out of high school moved to nashville where was it where was he from east cobb georgia wow and uh his parents brought him up here and instead of getting an electric guitar, he, he was already a shredder and, like, played in bands and shit. And instead of coming to Nashville and picking up an electric guitar, he went to Carter Vintage and picked him out of pedal still. And he said, I want to stick out. Nice. And uh, I was like, well, you should do a cover of Flower Shops and post that. He goes, I already recorded it and sent it over. I was like, dog, you're so in the band. <laughs> you're so in the band. Dude, skip the whole band and all that shit. We had already, we've been blood, sweat, and tears for... 18 months and then run across Chandler and Chandler shows up with his bags and gets up on the bus and says, which bunk can be mine? (laughs) He's supposed to be in chemistry class right now. Yeah. That's awesome. Could you imagine? I I signed him to Cadillac and, uh, because he'd been writing songs and, yeah, it's been good, man. It's like all the guys and, and I've just... It's a big thing to go out on the tours we're going out on, and they're rising to the oh, occasion. Oh, they're freaking huge, man. You're in front of massive crowds, man. It's, a, it's an yeah. amazing thing, man. And they're rocking. Uh, somebody asked me, was like, what's your sauce on stage? My sauce is my band. I would just be a dude with the guitar singing songs the best I could. But with my band, I got my sauce, you know. It, it all matters. I want to eventually add a bass and keys and fiddle. Like, I, wanna, I want the whole thing, and I know it's going to go there, but I'm just, you know, fiscally conscious on the way there um and i didn't want to cram nine people in a fucking bus yeah i want to just let's yeah this is going to be an amazing year man i I see i see music continuing to evolve i think the industry is in a good place i think your career is in a great place morgan's kicking it hardy's fixing to go out on his own headline stuff i think there's some great things that are happening this year laney's killing it i mean love laney so much oh she's just the coolest chick man she i really dig her man she's just she's the real thing she's put her time in she's she's paid her dues and she's she's reaping the rewards i'm so proud for her man And and i'm glad to see that happen to so many of you guys Guys, man, that have, that have put your time in. It's pretty awesome to see. Thank you. Yeah, I feel like we're in the 
dead thick of the paying the dues. And you are, I, there's man. Dues to pay, but I'd rather pay them now. But but it's so much. I, I I feel there's a lot of fun happening again. That everybody's enjoying it, and there's yeah. and the country's kind of getting back on track. And and music is a big part of that, man. You got to have music to heal, man. Music is a big part of everything this country's about, man. Amen. Yeah, that was the hardest part about COVID is having all the music taken away from mm-hmm. us. Man. That sucked the most for me. Yeah, that would dude. That sucked so bad. Just lie. You can only listen to the same song so many times. I got to go hear it and make it and be it. And I don't want to write over a computer. Yeah. I want to do this. And Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. which we need to do. We do need to. We're going to get that over, my friend. We're going to do that. Mike G. <laughs> Brother, it's been great sitting and visiting with you. I thank hope you've you enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, this has been yeah. all. I'll come do this and, and come do my yeah, So when, when we run across each other on the road and you get your, your front lounge thing going, what are you going to call your, your road podcast? It's going to be just being earnest, but I've thought about maybe still being earnest since I took a year off, <laughs> you know, yeah. rolling with earnest, maybe if it's rolling on a earth. bus. Yeah, but I, I need to come, I need to come check you, check your crib out and, and, yeah, yeah. and uh, get, feed me some alcohol. Kind Can of, do. All those things. I have a special those stash are, just those for are you. Very, very important. Can do. <laughs> Will do. Thanks for having me. It's been, it's been great. And I look forward to getting to hang, catch up more off air. Thank you, brother. Yeah. So all your socials? Uh, yeah, at Ernest, uh, except for, I think, TikTok's Ernest615. So. Rock on, baby. Yeah, thank you. Love you, buddy. Stop.